Hello everyone, welcome to the episode 33 of Solid Saturday. The guest we have today, Srivastan Srinivasan, he has extensive experience in data science, data architecture and business. So let's hear his career journey. How did he find his interest in the data field and managing to lead his area of interest? So welcome Srivastan and very happy to have you on the show. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, and thank you, Lisa, for having me. Uh, I really like uh, being privileged to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. And I always your post, like you know, follow your posts as well on the LinkedIn, and those are definitely insightful. So very happy to have you. So thank to you. begin with, um, so to begin with, when I came across your profile, uh, I saw that your profile is completely aligned towards your area of interest. Actually, you never diverted to some other area or something. You are working in the specific field like you know architecture side and then you have the expertise in the data science architecture and the business so when did you find your interest in that area yeah so so actually like i diverted to data science that's how i would say i started my career as a java developer mm-hmm. and i soon realized that that is not my forte uh, it's not that I don't uh, like uh, programming or Java, uh, just that like I felt like I was kind of, it did not fit me well with all the uh, object-oriented programming and everything. Uh-huh. And slowly I moved on to the backend side of the application development that is data. And I started focusing more on uh, SQL side, ETL side and everything. Uh, so that's how my data journey started. Uh, maybe the initial two years I was in Java and then it was completely on the backend side. I have been in multiple phases of data all my career. Uh, mm-hmm. I have been on the business side of it. I, I closely work with financial customer. So mm-hmm. I understand the finance business. I understand the processes of finance. Uh, mm-hmm. Then coming to data, I have been on ETL. I have been a data modeler. I have been a data architect. I have been a data engineer. And as the technology progressed, so I have been kind of moving on with it. And then finally to the uh, machine learning side of it. Yeah, so I feel like the way the data field evolved, you were there in all the phases of that evolution process. Yeah, that's right. I always feel like it's better to stay with the technology because uh, this is a very rapid uh, development phase and like you don't want to let be. So I always follow the technology uh, uh, movement as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Actually, it's very important to be on the technology side. So thank you so much for sharing and moving towards... Uh, your area of interest. So what are the changes actually uh, do you see now and then in this field? How did it evolve? So so when I started, like um, maybe data, the data side was more like a cost center, mm-hmm. right? Not like a profit center. People were looking uh, data to uh, generate insights on what happened. Mm-hmm. Now field has evolved a lot. One is today we have access to more data than before. And it's not only the internally business generated data, it is also external third party data. So mm-hmm. a lot of our business process caters toward uh, third party data, right? Mm-hmm. And the way the business has changed today is today data is driving the business. So basically data is looked as a profit center rather than a cost center. Mm-hmm. And specifically on the technology side, there has been a lot and lot of research and innovation. Uh, One is uh, the accelerated computing like GPUs and TPUs have made uh, some use cases possible that was not there before. We were earlier, we were more focused towards structured data. Mm -hmm. Now I see it's a combination of structured and unstructured data. And thanks to all the uh, deep learning evolution and everything, uh, more human like accuracy on unstructured data has been uh, Mm -hmm. made possible. 
that's great actually and uh, moving towards our next question is along the same line which is about uh, as you are on the both the sides data scientist as well as architecture side of it so what is the difference between the data scientist and the architect when it comes to the roles and responsibilities so uh, if you see um, both are i would say complementing in the context of the business process mm-hmm. uh, but from the skill set both are completely different Mm-hmm. so how i look at in any company both are needed mm-hmm. you need the data architecture which i call it as a horizontal capability uh-huh. right so basically your data architecture cut across your entire uh, enterprise business process mm-hmm. and when we talk about data science or the insight generator generation cycle i feel it's very specific to the vertical capability that is like it can be an underwriting business it mm-hmm. can be a marketing business so if you don't have a sound foundational architecture and data management your insight will also not be really production ready or okay. the insight cannot be trusted so i feel both are complementing but this when you talk specifically about skill set the data architecture focuses on the platform side of it mm-hmm. the data management side of it the data onboarding side of it and the data scientist more on generating insights out of the data so mm-hmm. in order to democratize insight within any enterprise you need to have an uh, sound data architecture as well so both go and in and Oh, okay so they, that is very uh, good to know actually that they though those both are like hand in hand goes hand in hand and uh, it's important to know little bit of the data architecture side as well when you think about being the good data scientist yeah, the, the thing is like your data scientist uh, not productionized right your when you when you want to productionize your data data science you need to integrate with your business process and the architecture is pretty key on how you want to scale your data science mm-hmm. yeah that's great actually and uh, when you think about being a data scientist what do you think is the most challenging part of the work and what excites you in this field so when talk about challenging but i see the collecting the data is pretty challenging mm-hmm. uh, because uh, the main thing is the data in enterprise comes in multiple format mm-hmm. it can be your mainframe file it can be xml json the data can be spread across tons of system right mm-hmm. so the data collection is one part and second thing is uh, deployment of the uh, model itself mm-hmm. right uh, the reason is like you may have the best model with the best accuracy with the best algorithm or whatever mm-hmm. it is right but if you don't make it operationalize you are not generating any business value over there you are just a technology competency right uh-huh. so i feel like uh, collecting the data because uh, you can use lot of data you don't know like which data will work better so mm-hmm. you are doing a multiple hypothesis with multiple data sources and multiple features mm-hmm. that is one part of it and then deploying the model itself is the second part which i feel is pretty complex okay that's great actually and already you mentioned that you know how the data science and the architecture are correlated and then you uh, mentioned that as well that bringing the business value out of it so how these terms data science architecture and business are kind of interrelated itself actually so when we think about organization level we need all these things so right. any specific uh, points you would like to highlight for all these uh, area of expertise that you have yeah uh, so so if you take a data life cycle right like if you even take any data science life cycle mm-hmm. um it starts with your business understanding and finally it is how you action on the business understanding right so that is a whole process towards it 
so it is not like um, you can you can you are business you are uh, architecture you are data science coexist separately these go hand in hand mm. so when if you start the typical life cycle your business is what is generating data right your business process is what is generating data it can be a fraud business process it can be your uh, prospecting or marketing campaign management so data is your underlying knowledge in the business process now for you to understand your data you need a sound understanding of your business process and that's the intersection between uh, business and data now from data you can understand the business but uh, in that case you are forming a inst- intuition as well which mm-hmm. is not right so your business and data go hand in hand now when it comes to the data right like you need a sound data platform where data scientists worry only about insights not about data do mm-hmm. i have this data do i have that data uh, where can i find my data the mm-hmm. data scientist does not want to worry about uh, that part of it right mm-hmm. that's where your uh, data architectures and everything intersect with your uh, data now then once you are your data scientist starts working on the in- insight cycle of it mm-hmm. insight insight is nothing but if your data is your knowledge insight mm-hmm. is the understanding of that knowledge right you you generate your data analysis you do your expertise data analysis right and finally you generate your action on the data your action on your insight so mm-hmm. uh to be successful in an organization if you think from an enterprise wide capability mm-hmm. you need all the parts to be attached together it's mm-hmm. it's kind of not like one can that be the other can yeah. be there maybe you find short term success with that uh, scenario but you are not really democratizing ai with that yes yes that's true and thank you so much for sharing that is definitely very knowledgeable and insightful so when you are talking actually it truly shows your passion towards the field because you are very specific and uh, you know in and out of this field uh, very much so what are the latest things happening currently in this field i think a lot of research is go- going on in the deep learning space Mm-hmm. and uh, what i see is like all the new architectures like transformers or bert or something this will be more kind of democratized because if you take like an a uh, scenario of speech to text or scenario like uh, translation mm-hmm. enterprise do not have a lot of data to do uh, translations or speech to text mm-hmm. right so these are these are more will be available as cloud apis and already available so mm-hmm. whatever research we see on that side will become very accessible to the enterprise mm-hmm. uh, it will be just an api call away right and uh, other part i see is like the auto ml part is also evolving mm-hmm. that's going to kind of make life easy of a data scientist mm-hmm. i don't see it as a competitor of data scientist but uh, some of the real uh, data science job is boring as well it's kind of repetitive you need something yeah. to automate that other key aspect is operationalizing yeah model deployment operations operating your uh, machine learning models see half of the company fail in uh, ml process is because they don't know how to put it into production the mm-hmm. ml ops is the other area which i am seeing is evolving mm-hmm. uh, getting your model close to your business process the edge analytics and the federated learning mm-hmm. not everything can be a api call you need to deploy your model inside your uh, business process it can be your missions it can be your fridges it can be anything anything is possible today Mm-hmm. the analytics is other part and i feel like explainability is a continuous research uh-huh. we are not going to solve an explainability problem at least for the next 3 years but there will be a lot of research that will make it easy mm-hmm. okay that's great and uh, one more question actually it is from my side so when we are talking more about you know productionizing or deploying the solution uh, 
how the version control works actually which platforms are the best to do the version controlling there is uh, always yeah that, that's a very good question right because uh, our data keeps on changing and new version of model keeps on coming mm-hmm. uh, so there are two things like you have built versus buy either mm-hmm. you can build your own version control system you mm-hmm. can use uh, even git as your uh, mm-hmm. repository uh, mm-hmm. where you have a project and you can have multiple version and then you maintain a metadata table Mm-hmm. where you uh, connect your model version to your git right the reason is it's not that always you will run one model you may someone sometimes want to do a ab testing or champion challenge analysis mm-hmm. and you need both the model so that is one way of versioning where you build yourself second the buy aspect of it i'm also seeing i will not say buy i'm also seeing a lot of open source coming into play mm-hmm. uh, a typical open source that i see is mlflow Mm-hmm. Uh, which has both capability of versioning your artifacts and versioning your model mm-hmm. uh, i would not say like it has 100% support today but that's a good thing to track there is also an tensorflow extended uh, model management component now because the tensorflow name is that it's not only for tensorflow it mm-hmm. is it supports all of other uh, packages and algorithms as well mm-hmm. so this space is evolving either mm-hmm. you can take a choice of custom building something yourself where you do proper model management mm-hmm. uh, or you can go with open source technologies or you can go with platform providers as well there are a lot of outside uh, by providers where you can go yeah thank you so much you are so knowledgeable actually i'm very happy to have you uh, on the show so uh, moving towards our next question which i almost ask everybody in the data space that uh, which is your favorite algorithm and why maybe i'm going to disappoint you i am um, you say like the favorite algorithm for me is the curiosity yeah right? now yeah. i feel like algorithms are good there is a lot of maturity uh, every algorithm has a strength like when we talk about unstructured data maybe the deep learning performs better it's not always mm-hmm. it depends like most of the time it might but even a simple technique might uh, uh, solve your problem sometimes and when it comes to tabular data maybe um, ensemble models are good but i think like uh, your curiosity is the best algorithm to drive value uh, to even self and business right now your curiosity to understand the problem understand the business process understand the data right for many problem your curiosity can keep your solution very simple like mm-hmm. the more you talk to data more you work with data more you analyze data maybe you will find a simpler solution you may even tell okay i just need some bunch of rules to deploy mm-hmm. my uh, you don't need algorithm at all Right. Mm-hmm. so i would say uh, follow your curiosity rather following the algorithm yeah thank you so much and i definitely like the answer so far because i always get some biased answers or some people would uh, say that you know more or come up with optimized answer like whichever algorithm gives you less overfitting or you know uh, which is best to derive the solution so this is the best answer i received and i feel I like, like curiosity uh, is definitely the one part whenever and i would say when approaching the problem yeah. uh, don't approach it with an algorithm in mind so sometimes the answer can be very simple it can be simple data mining activity or even an uh, data engineering activity as well yeah. so focus more on data rather than the algorithm yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing and uh, our next question is along the same line uh, how do you think that you know you already mentioned that there are auto ml platforms which are more over like helping the data scientist so do you use any such platform and would you like to share if you use any so i have used lot of auto ml platform and in fact like uh, 
uh, if you have seen some of my videos, I create a lot of videos on AutoML. Uh-huh. Uh, so the major one I have used is H2O AutoML. Uh, that is why one I have used it. Uh, if if you if you take AutoML right, the focus is purely on uh, the machine learning part, not yeah. the entire life cycle, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the way I look at it, you still need data scientists to uh, uh, analyze your data, create features features out of it, what works best, bring the domain knowledge to it, mm-hmm. and then uh, doing an post model analysis as well. Mm-hmm. But if you think the intermediate activity. Right, I have data. Which which algorithm works better? There is no fun in uh, doing a fit and predict of each and every algorithm we know. So right. why not let AutoML do it for you? Right, think it as assistant for you. Right, it is it just helping you out, uh, getting the initial intuition. And once you have the initial baseline algorithm that works for your data, take the top two algorithm and create features. Uh, see how it works. And finally, once you are comfortable with the initial feature engineering. Again, use AutoML to do hyperparameter optimization for you. Uh, again, uh, frankly, there's no fun really uh, to uh, set each and every learning rate and run a grid search. So, uh, uh, to a, for a data scientist to be successful and to give deliver value faster, you need something that can accelerate a data scientist work, and that's where AutoML comes into play. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And do you have any favorite programming language that you always use? So I I kind of uh, started my career with Java, uh-huh. and then I uh, slowly I I know Java, I know multiple language Java, Scala, and Python. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, I have done some part of R, uh, uh-huh. but but uh, since like lot of programming language have been Python, my environment I use Python. I'm more comfortable uh, with Python. At the same time, when I'm building some frameworks. Uh-huh. Uh, like uh, a reusable framework that can be used across multiple things. I am uh, more uh, comfortable with Scala or Java as mm-hmm. well. But Python, if if I have to really stand out one language, then it's definitely Python. Now I cannot code TensorFlow in Java. I cannot code PyTorch in Java or whatever it is. Yeah, Python come up with lots of libraries and that is right. Actually, that is right. when I started my career, I remember mm-hmm. that Python was uh, uh, I was using Python scripting for automating the testing. Unit testing, mm-hmm. and that time Python wasn't like uh, people never used to talk about Python because .NET was very popular at that right. time, and everybody was talking about .NET or Android, uh, those kind of things. And uh, I remember that. And now, after like you know, couple of years, it came as like a language which has everything to uh, work on. Like you know, they come up with Scikit-Learn or they come up with some of the good libraries or the packages for the auto machine learning side which is making it like a most popular language right now i think the java the the python craze started like 6 7 years back with data mm-hmm. science uh, i still remember right what data science is today everybody getting into data science that's the way java was in when i graduated everybody uh-huh. went into institutes to learn java uh-huh. uh, to get into the java field and uh-huh. even when the data engineering work started it was more of scala uh-huh. uh, but over the time uh, everything uh, moved towards python and i feel like python is uh, comparatively easy as well i don't do I have to do compilation and all this stuff yeah it is an interpreted language right. like you type everything whatever that is right kind of yeah so easy to learn as well actually if you go for the object oriented it's really it's sometimes hard which function is calling like which object is calling which function and that kind of something that is right and but python is that way is very easy so 
so thank you so much for sharing that and uh, moving towards your leadership style it truly shows that you are leading your area of interest and it shows from your post as well so what is your leadership style and any leader or that you always follow or admire all right so uh, what what i feel is i am more kind of uh, a democratic uh, a leader right who okay. encourage discussions and flow of idea from my team okay. uh, my team has a different opinion about me they call me more like a, a transformation leader because i uh, set the uh, kind of uh, bar to high of delivery and everything uh-huh. so there is two perception it's better to know from my team rather than me uh, that is one part of it uh-huh. definitely i follow some of the uh, leadership uh, uh, styles pretty closely a uh, couple of them is i have been inspired by elon musk right for breaking to barriers and uh, incredible vision uh, definitely like uh, that people have not thought like okay you can think of sending somebody to mars or uh, yeah. creating a shuttle which is more private not mm-hmm. a government and organization making it successful uh, mm-hmm. not giving up on failure so elon musk is one of it mm-hmm. inspired by satya nadella for his transformative leadership mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. frankly i have been never serious about microsoft mm-hmm. from, from the beginning of my career microsoft was never my wish list or i been but satya nadella is really a transformational leader mm-hmm. and i am a big fan of hasim prem ji mm-hmm. reason is because of simplicity he, mm-hmm. he he delivers more and then talks less mm-hmm. uh, so so i i and my leadership kind of keeps on changing but currently these are the three hasim prem ji has always been me on my list and elon musk and satya nadella added as they started delivering that's great actually and uh, you are definitely a good leader i can see that um keeping the expectations high what do you think that you know um you can achieve from that actually from the team uh, putting them in the uh, uncomfortable zone and giving them the opportunity to learn more uh, that builds uh, like that that gives them an opportunity to grow in their career as well so uh, do you think that keeping expectations high always leads to the growth of that particular person it is it is more than the expectation high the the, the problem that has starts happening as a leader is uh-huh. when you try to impose your style in them uh-huh. right now you can keep helping uh, your team on every life cycle or you can only add your value when there's a problem uh-huh. when when you want to say okay this is some way i found success uh-huh. now better is when somebody is starting now the data science if you take data science itself right in that aspect of it mm-hmm. uh, it's all creativity it's all problem solving mm-hmm. you may fail but mm-hmm. every failure is a learning not all projects are going to be delivered mm-hmm. sometimes you need to just accept failure and move on some uh, we we must not like force into our into ourselves to deliver outcome when mm-hmm. you are seeing okay this is not like a machine learning project mm-hmm. just tell your client or customer or employer that uh there is no point in making it work mm. so i would say our uh, setting the bar i is not a issue but forcing uh something forcing your thought into them is uh, completely wrong let mm. them experiment let them see what works let them come up with idea and then you add value to it yeah 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 and that's really very great leadership to have actually giving them the space to learn by themselves because a lot of people sometimes get into that zone where they always expect something and they look for the spoon feeding in their career which is not yeah. like counts towards their career growth so it's very good leadership style to have and i really appreciate that you shared it 
moving towards our next question is about you know uh, your profile is like completely aligned towards your area of interest because a lot of uh, profiles i came across are more over like you know they transform their career into the data field because always you have something in the boom right you are working in the java then you uh, you work on some different technology and then you again find something leading in that space of a technology so a lot of people like you know worked in the sales marketing and then landed up into the da- data or they worked in some different space and they landed up but when i see your profile is completely aligned actually so what do you think that uh, makes you keep up to the speed of you know what are the changes happening and what those extra steps you always take to keep you up to date so uh, first thing is like um, the 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 industry i work for right mm-hmm. uh, banking has always been transformative mm-hmm. they have always been leading when it comes to your decision cycle and everything with data mm-hmm. so that is that is one thing i get to learn a lot i kind of do a lot of competitive analysis on if i am if i am solving a problem how is other businesses doing it mm-hmm. okay if i am solving a payment problem what are the fintechs doing what are the uh, other uh, industry in the payment doing so i try to le- read the lit- literature but not get carried away because mm-hmm. sometimes the literature is nothing but what you post for the outside public internally they may be still struggling right that's how research paper are not research or research paper can be replicated to success mm-hmm. so i kind of try to learn uh, the new happenings and then try to map technology on how it can be done uh, mm-hmm. The, the main thing is getting to the bottom of the use cases now if you have a business process what all you can do with it if mm. i am running a call center what i can do with it if i am running a risk management business what can i do with it and then kind of see how the space outside is evolving what you can do maybe mm. that's the way i work yeah that's great actually and thank you so much for sharing that moving towards already you shared so many valuable insights uh, whatever you learned along your career journey uh, any books or online courses would you like to recommend to the audience who are looking to get into this space yeah, so uh, i have been always a big fan of hand drawing mm-hmm. so uh, in the sense like uh, I, i any course he launches or anything i kind of tend to watch it closely mm-hmm. i would say the best thing for anybody to start with is uh, hand drawing ml course mm-hmm. even though it's an octave a lot of people uh, um a lot of people like get uh, uh, kind of demotivated that's not python mm-hmm. the best thing is uh, see it's not about what hand drawing teaches it's about ishas's experience over there mm-hmm. how to deal with data right and that's where you need to learn if you mm-hmm. take even deep learning uh, you can find a lot of literature mm-hmm. but if you go through his video you can actually learn what are the problems he faced and what are the problems he has seen and he's taking that as an video and experience so i would say uh, both if you're starting in deep learning and doing course if you're starting in machine learning and doing course uh when it comes to books mm-hmm. i have been like uh, uh if you, if you want to just uh, have pure pay uh, a technology view with mm-hmm. some math not heavily then i would definitely say like hands on machine learning and scikit learn uh, mm-hmm. hands on scikit learn uh, and tensorflow right i forgot the mm-hmm. exact name by orion uh, that's a very nice book and also like there is a book called uh, naked statistics mm-hmm. which uh, which kind of walks you through uh, how we use statistics in a daily life mm-hmm. without knowing we okay. are using it so these two books yep thank you and uh, to end this podcast the last question is more about the tips and advice for the people who are struggling to get into this space or 
trying to transform their career into the data field any particular tips or advice to end this podcast i would say like um, uh now uh, the the thing is the problem is people are uh, not trying to get into data science mm-hmm. they are trying to get into machine learning that's where the problem starts mm-hmm. and um, if you see the the market projection is i will have million jobs in machine they don't say that i do i have million jobs in machine learning i have millions of jobs will be created in data science and data science has multiple aspect to it you yeah. have your visualization you have your product management you have your data engineering so uh, and and uh, to be successful or to get into industry it's very important you do the analysis on what is your strength mm-hmm. and focus on that if your strength is more like software engineering maybe data engineering will work better mm-hmm. if you are data analyst uh, data analyst maybe the visualization side will be work, work better right so i would say do that and also understand how industry works mm-hmm. right sometimes the learning has to be replicated into industry and that's when when you go to interview you will feel more comfortable mm-hmm. okay i have i have solved an anomaly detection problem and mm-hmm. if i go to an interview for cyber security i can tell okay i have done this for a different purpose but mm-hmm. this is how i can solve your problem so you get more confidence to it so think it from how you connect your learnings to what industry needs Yeah. Thank you so much being on the show actually and I really enjoyed talking to you. I always uh, uh, follow your post but I never got a chance to interact with you and it was like you know very good to meet you and uh, talk to you in person. So thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it and hope audience you will enjoy this episode and as I always say until we meet happy leading let's lead together. Stay safe. Bye for now. Thank you once more. Thank you very much. Thank you so much.